Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, we're on the, uh, on the uh, speaking road. We're not out anything like that. We're just on the speaking road. Our oldest grandson, Max, just graduated now, from wait a second, high now. school. Now, wait a second, Linda. We cannot be old enough to have a grandson who graduated from high school. It really it's slips not up on possible. you. It's a, amazing that that has happened. He How was just a little baby the other day, and now he graduated from high school, and he's six foot seven and weighs 220 pounds and is an all-American volleyball player, and he was just a little baby. Yesterday. It's absolutely incredible. But man, what a kid he is. Just kind of a quiet strength, very um, sensitive, and a great student. And he actually spoke at his seminary graduation this week and did such a good job. So we thought we'd spend the whole show today just bragging and bragging about our grandchildren. Well, because we're here. I mean, we've had a lot of graduations. Everybody's experiencing graduations right now. We had an eighth grade graduate who uh, was a golden scholar. It was fun to be with her friends. Brag, and then brag, brag. We, um, be quiet. Um, we went to the uh, second grade and saw our little Lucy graduating to the third grade. We went to the fifth grade, seeing our little Claire graduating to the sixth grade. And you guys all, listen. those of you that listened last week, know we were at a University of Southern California graduation last week for a son. And gosh, we've got another one coming up in June. Our son-in-law is getting his Ph.D., Graduating, brag, brag, graduating brag. from Stanford. <laughs> oh my gosh, we could just brag. But you know, all grandparents should be authorized to brag whenever they want about their grandkids. And right? yes, it's a whole different ball game. I'm sure there's many out there that are so proud of their kids who are graduating from whatever, whether it's kindergarten or whatever. It really is a, a fun time, fun time of year. You got to be humble about your um, your kids, but you don't have to be humble about your grandkids. Is that right? Yeah, that's a different rule. That's just a whole different rule. But, you know, it kind of leads in, segues a little bit into our topic for today, which is the evolution of parenting. Now, think about that for a minute. How has parenting evolved over the last, let's say, 30 years or, or even, let's even say 50 years? When you go back two generations, I don't know... Maybe even one generation. Do you think people even used the word parenting? Did people go around saying, how are you doing on your parenting? Or or let's go to the bookstore and check out the parenting books in the parenting section. No, I don't think so. In fact, I remember my aunt, who would be over 100 years old now. She was still alive. Uh, she and her husband really wanted another baby because they needed somebody to help on the farm. I mean, you just don't think that way anymore it really is interesting oh you're saying that that uh how many kids you had maybe three generations ago wasn't some arbitrary decision it was like well how many people do i need to milk all the cows and go get all the eggs and yeah. weed the barley right i mean that along with some birth control issues i'm sure <laughs> involved but 
Really, I mean, my parents had ten children. His, their, each of their parents um, people had, had ten a lot children. of kids in those days. Uh, there were a lot of kids, and yet they didn't really use the word parenting very much. You're right. Well, that's my point. I mean, they weren't. They weren't. Parenting wasn't something. It wasn't like a science or an art or or a, a discipline or something that you write books on. It was just something that happened, right? I mean, you just had kids. And and I, I think people use the word raise, you know, let's raise our kids, let's raise our family. I don't really know how, you know, what that meant exactly. Well, they do raise. I mean, when you think of our kids, six, nine, oh, <laughs> six, seven, yeah, but I mean, max six, seven. But what I mean is they didn't really, you know, it wasn't a, a discipline. It wasn't a study. It wasn't something that you sort of boiled down and tried to have a theory for or methodologies for or techniques for. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not being critical of early generations. I'm just saying, you know, it wasn't something that uh, people really gave a lot of conscious, disciplined, deliberate, strategic thought to. Now, were they good parents? In many cases, yes. Was was it a simpler time? In many cases, yes. Was it a simpler definition of roles? Definitely, because, you know, if you read the journals of your grandparents or whatever, or if you read even novels or fiction from an earlier era, pretty much, and, and of course, it's this is a little bit stereotypical. It's like the 50s, right? You know, dad gets up, goes to work. He's the breadwinner. He comes home. He brings home the bacon. Mom raises the kids. Mom stays at home all the time, raises the kids. Now, some people, uh, dad doesn't know too much about what's going on with the kids, but he makes sure they have clothing and food. And and in some there are, it's interesting, Linda, that some people really idealize that era and say, "Oh man, those were the days." Mom stayed home, did their job in the home. Dads went out and worked. It was simple. Everybody knew what was expected of them. Things worked out great. Exactly, and think how that's changed given the party that we were at last night for our son's third grade class. And um, honestly, he has 30 kids and set their parents were there last night at a pool party and a big slideshow for the whole year. And honestly, the parenting has changed so much. Not only that, but the teaching has changed so much. I mean, our son is a stellar teacher. We were inundated with um, adulations for this kid who has made such a difference in their children's lives. And I think that, brag, brag, brag. you know, um, <laughs> my mother was a teacher and all of her sisters were teachers. We've got teacher genes in our family. But I remember people still come to me and say how much teachers have changed their lives. And or my mother especially has changed their lives. It's really pretty amazing. Well, and where I thought you were going with that, maybe you, maybe you were, is we, we were sort of our role last night at this party uh, the, the end of the year class party with our son as the third grade teacher and our role, which he assigned us to, was to be out in front of the house sort of greeting people as they came in. And so out of those 30 kids, Linda, how many different types of families do you think they came from? Probably 30. Oh, 30. I mean, of you course, know, everyone unique, but yeah. so many single moms, some single dads, some blended families, some adopted families there you know there were there was one really interesting fellow who had adopted um two chinese 
girls and two children from Ethiopia. And so I guess the point I'm making, and I don't know if, if the class last night was a perfect prototype of the larger population, but families have changed. There's a lot of different kinds of families today. And if you look deeper, it, the differences just grow because, you know, how many of those families are both parents working? How many um, are involved in sort of shifting responsibilities where the dad takes care of the kids and sometimes the mom other times all in all I'm going to go out on a limb and say Linda and you know maybe there's a lot who would disagree with this but I like the evolution of parenting I the main thing I like about it over the last generation or two is the obvious thing and that's how much more involved dads are in the raising of children how there you know there are a lot of i think that the the rule today rather than the exception is dads who really want to be an active participant in parenting they they want to be part of it they want to have equal shake equal share equal stakes in in raising the children they do uh, in fact we did the show on that last week i think uh, we recently because it really is quite amazing what's happened to parenting but you know, I just I think it is a, a an evolution that we kind of take for granted. If when we look back and see how we were parented, when we look back and see how our grandparents were parented, it really has evolved through the years. And when I see our children and how they're parenting now, um, it's similar in some ways. But you know, they took some good ideas and made it a lot better. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, for uh, sure. They are really remarkable good parents are terrific now i have to say that last year this son worked at another charter school and it was a chapter one what are they called uh, yeah where they're getting needs. a lot of special well uh, special, well, special low-income yeah. uh, kids but that was a whole totally different makeup of children and parents and so parenting does make a big difference I mean, he was saying how sad it was that parents were not coming to parent-teacher conference and uh, were not involved in their children's lives, and it showed in the classroom because the kids were um, hanging out there and not knowing how to behave or how to study or how to do things. So, boy, hats off to parenting nowadays. You know, and, Good and, parenting. And, and the, a lot of studies that your, your listeners are probably aware of seem to, to make a pretty clear conclusion that... Uh, the single most important factor with regard to kids' success in school is how involved the parents are with, with those kids, how much they help with the homework, how interested they are, how, how involved they are with parent-teacher conferences and all the rest. And, you know, it's this – let me ask you this question, Linda. Do you think – I mean, no one would argue that parenting sort of means a different thing today than it did a couple of generations ago. But my question is – has it evolved because our lives are so different? Has it evolved because, you know, the way we live and the things we do and the patterns of our lives and the dangers and the worries and all the rest, has parenting simply, and the fact that we're more urban and not as rural as we used to be and so on, has, has the way we parent and this idea of parenting as a science or as a thing that you do and that you learn about and practice has it evolved to meet those needs or are we just a little more enlightened today are we just 
maybe our priorities have gotten better. Maybe, maybe parents today are more inclined to say, hey, the family, my kids are the most important thing to me. I want to be involved as a dad. I don't want to leave it entirely to the mom. Or has the mom been saying, hey, <laughs> you know, we demand equal time. We demand equality. Why shouldn't the dad be as involved as the mom? I think probably there's some of all of that involved. Um, we really believe that parenting has become kind of a science. You know, parents just really are, mothers and fathers, dedicated to the progress of their children in most cases. I mean, obviously there's some issues that are really difficult, but we'll talk about some of those issues and also some ideas about evolving parenthood. Yeah, well, when we come back after this break, we'll, we'll try not to just talk about how parenting has evolved. We'll get into a little about how we hope it evolves in the future. So back right after this short break. Ayers on the Road, parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. So parenting, evolving, is, is the world evolving or is parenting evolving? And are they both evolving together? And why are we using the word evolving so much? I don't know, but you know, <laughs> We are so fortunate in the free world to parent how we want to. I was in a cab in New York City last week with a guy from uh, New Guinea. And he has immigrated here, but his family still lives here. So Who, he goes home driver? once a year. Yeah. Oh, oh. And um, he was so interesting. He said, you know, those we take our kids there, but th- that is such a sad situation. Those people have kids so they can sell them. They can make some money. And, um, Wait, they have, oh, they're selling babies they're like selling for adoption? babies or selling kids. I, I don't know if they get tired we of We ran into off. that in Romania, too. They yeah. Were, uh, and it, I'm sure that's not widespread, but it, but it does happen more. And it is so sad and so scary that, you know, a lot of children are in trouble in this world. And I don't even like to think about it because I can't sleep at night. But it really is quite incredible in the free world where people have realized how important parenting is and what a difference it makes, not just for their kids, but for generations and generations and generations to come. Well, I mean, it not only makes a difference, it is the key difference. I mean, one of the things that we figured out after a while in one of our, one of the interesting phases of our life is when we were being, we were mission presidents for the LDS church, which essentially means you're supervising for a period of three years couple of hundred young elders and sisters, as we call them, but young missionaries, 19 years old, up to 20 or 21 in those days. And it took me a while, but I finally figured out that every problem that I faced or that one of these young missionaries faced, if, if you talk to them long enough, if you got deeply enough into it, you could trace it back to something that happened in the family. A lot of times it was pretty obvious they had an abusive parent or they had a highly critical parent or they had a perfectionist parent. And Almost every concern and every good thing, you could pretty much trace it back to family. And that, that had a real impact on us. And when you think about it today, Linda, you know, if, if you're going to say what determines the course of a child's life, I mean, I guess you could say, well, it's the genetics or it's the it's the socioeconomic level of the family or the neighborhood where he grows up. But but 
you can say it a lot simpler than that. You can say the problem is the problem or the or the good thing. I mean, the determining factor is essentially parenting. It really is. Although, as you say, there are some genetic problems with kids. I mean, and that is getting scary. There's so many kids with bipolar issues and depression. And I was just reading a horror story of a murder in D.C. And maybe many of you have heard this story. But um, the first thing I thought when I saw this kid, this picture of this kid who had murdered four people, really cruelly, I thought, you know, oh, those parents must have been a mess. Then I read on, and, you know, you can never judge. His dad's a plumber. His mom is a nurse in a, in a care center. Um, they worked hard all their lives. He just has a, some really hard issues, mental issues. So, you know, you can't always blame parenting for bad things that happen. But uh, that is becoming a huge concern. That is an evolution, I think, because there's so many kids that are dealing with mental problems. Well, and you know, when you think about the word evolution, it's a funny word to use in this, but you understand what we're saying, that things change. And when you, when you think about what causes that evolution and, and how, it, how it actually works, generally it's a gradual process. You know, I mean, usually a lot of us raise our kids a lot like our parents raised us. But I think that's less true now than it used to be. And it's almost like we have some accelerated depreciation or, or evolution in, in parenting methods because the world's changing so rapidly now and parenting is changing rapidly to meet it. And, and then there's always the people we think are the real heroes, Linda. There's people who come from an abused background, from abusive parents, from dysfunctional homes, and and you when you run into this, it's just inspiring. Someone who essentially deliberately decides, I'm going to be the turning point. I'm not going to raise my kids the way I was raised. I'm not going to abuse them. I'm not going to make the mistakes my parent makes. I'm going to make a right angle turn. And those are the heroes because what probably that means is then for many generations to come, good, conscientious, really dedicated parenting will occur because the pattern will be changed. You know, that is so true. I have a brother who was adopted by my parents after they've been married for a couple of years. My mom was 38 and 40 by the time they could not have children, so they adopted a cute little boy who was five years old. And then, of course, immediately the regular story, she got pregnant immediately with me, and then 12 months later with my sister. So um, that's a happy story. But this poor boy had been so severely abused um, and came from an orphanage where he was also abused by the other kids because he was little for his age and so on. And um, he, you know what, I think you're pretty much a parent by the time you're five. You just know how you were treated and that's all you know. And uh, so in some ways you can't blame these parents for carrying it on because that's all they know how to do. They don't have an example. But uh, his daughter has been writing to me this last week, and as you no, know, we're right. yeah, yeah. who has decided to go a different direction. She's trying to be that person she who is changes the, change. the course of history. Yeah. It is just really quite amazing. And even though she's had some really hard knocks uh, on every side, uh, she is carrying on and has two beautiful children who are so lucky because they're the ones that are making the changes. 
And, and I think parents are learning to adapt so well to their situations, no matter what. At this Power of Moms retreat we had at our house a couple weeks ago, there was a, a blind mother who came. She came with her white cane. She managed so well. I can't believe it. She had been able to see for about eight years, and then she got some strange disease, and they think that's what caused her blindness. But she married a guy who was blind, mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. two little children. Who are and, not blind. Who are not blind. And she said, it, we've learned to adapt. We know uh, how to call cabs. We have car seats. We put them in the cabs. They take us where we want to go. And I put bells on my kids' shoes so I know where they are in the house. They're two and four. And it really is quite amazing how parents can adapt to their situation as their own family evolves, even with huge uh, problems and disabilities. You know what I think? I think the pivotal factor, Linda, the thing that makes all the difference and it's, you know, sometimes people don't even know themselves how they came to this conclusion. But the, the real factor is how highly do people prioritize their parenting? I mean, there are a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, I read a parenting book and I'm trying to be a good parent. But if you really look into their lives, parenting's almost a, a, it's a, it's an adjunct thing. I mean, their real life is about their career and about their advancement and their status and their money and so on. But when you find someone, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're a single parent or a two-parent family, whatever the situation is, when when there's a clear prioritizing that's been done, when when a person has sort of made the internal decision, look, the most important thing to me is these children or this child. It seems like that one thing is sort of the the drive gear for everything else. Now they're gonna they're gonna make their decisions based on that priority. They're gonna they're gonna live every day according to the fact that they've decided that child is the most important thing, and that's where that's where things really happen. I think. You know, we've talked during most of this show about how parenting has evolved, and we've said some good things and some bad things about it. But maybe we ought to spend the rest of the time talking about how we hope parenting does evolve, how it should evolve in the future. And, and I mean, this is not going to surprise any of you who know Linda and I, but we hope it continues to evolve in a prioritized, positive way. And we kind of think it will because... You know, life is, as, as we move into the future and as people have more options and more flexibility and more technology and more of a lot of things, you have more tools to apply to positive parenting if that's your choice, if that is your priority. We can keep better track of our kids than any other generation before. We can, we can be in better communication with them than ever before. We can find time to be with them and we can communicate with them even when we're not with them, which no other parent generation has ever been able to do. And I'm here to say I hope the evolution continues to be positive. I think the thing that makes the difference is do parents have real goals for what they're trying to give their kids? And I think that makes a huge difference, but it also scares me when I think about the future because of the entitlement issues. Because our kids have so much stuff that we didn't have as kids. And they have access, as you just said, to so much on the Internet that it's going to create havoc if we can't have parents who are really shutting that down and making sure that they have a little bit of regulating it. Yeah. 
um, because that is very scary. I mean, uh, we have a son who just finished a degree in positive psychology, and uh, he said, you know, uh, one of my favorite teachers was a woman who believes that what kids need more than anything else is grit. And I don't know how much grit this next generation is going to have yeah, when they grit. sit around and do video games and Grit's watch a tough one. videos all the time and have such a happy life and so on. And uh, work is not part of their mentality. That grit is, is key. And so hopefully parents realize that and figure out how to make their kids work for what they have. And there are so many good parents listening and grandparents who have raised children responsibly but it is a worry so i think i think what we want to do is end this show with some specifics and we want all of you especially those of you who listen on a regular basis to ires on the road we want to connect with you in various ways we we love to invite you to go online and and visit us at valuesparenting.com which is essentially the embodiment of of our hope that people become more deliberate and more prioritized in their parenting and more conscious of teaching kids values and so on. And and we also want you to go to joyschools.com, joyschools with an S.com, where we're trying to figure out ways constantly to improve the way, just what you said earlier, Linda, it, the, the, how, we, how we parent these preschoolers, because that's where... The pattern is really set. Absolutely. And so stay in touch with us on those sites and um, tune in every week. We love being with you on Ayers on the Road. See you next time. Bye-bye.